Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we are here to talk about our latest crossover, which is the uh, Trinity crossover from 1993, which was a two-issue miniseries, but dovetailed with two issues apiece of Green Lantern, Legion 94, and the Dark Stars. So before we get too deep into this, boys, what was your experience with... um, Obviously, we've read a lot of Green Lantern comics, but sort of what's your experience with this era of these three stories? Absolutely nothing, except I think I did pick up a back issue of the main Trinity series from a thrift shop, like right when I was getting into comics, because I thought it looked cool. I don't think I even read it. <laughs> Vince, what about you? Yeah, nothing. Not, not at all. I, I had no idea what to expect from this. Okay, so this was right around the time I was 11 in 93. And so this is right around the time that I was reading a lot of comics. And so I was definitely reading Green Lantern at this point. So I maybe read one of these issues. And then I eventually started picking up Dark Stars comics when Donna Troy and John Stewart became Dark Stars. And eventually, like Guy Gardner and Tomar 2 and all these people became, or Tomar Ray, maybe. Uh, Tomar 2? What was one of the Tomars became uh, Dark Stars? I started reading more when John Stewart went over to there. Um, but Legion is, I mean, I've read a bunch of Legion, like now going through like the War of the Gods issue we read and, you know, stuff like that. But this is not particularly my wheelhouse in terms of um, anything other than the Green Lantern stuff. Um, do we want to say what we thought of it up front or save that for later? I. I would be fine to get into that. Um, okay, Zach, take it away. I kind of liked it. <laughs> um, it was a lot of nothing. As far like this is the least crisisy cri- like crossover. This is like the the stakes are kind of big, but it they feel very small to me. And maybe maybe you guys will agree or disagree, but. I, I I really liked parts of this and like it's almost more like the the concept or the idea of what this could be that I really really liked. Vince, well, I I I kind of wanted to disagree more on this one, but you pretty much said exactly how I feel, Zach. We're we're right in line on this one. It's it's practically nothing, and while I was reading it, I kind of thought I'm. I'm so glad that this is so short and it's so low stakes um, and breezy and not because it was bad and because I couldn't wait to be done with it, but just because after reading some of these more dense uh, events with lots of tie-ins, it was nice to have something that didn't feel like it needed to be the end all be all of everything. And, uh, and it was just refreshing in that way. Uh, the the bookends are like 36 or 38 pages each or something like that. Each issue is around 20, 22 pages. It's a real breezy event to read, and the stakes are just high enough for you to care. The, the, there's some stuff I really liked about it. There's some stuff that, that really annoyed me, but more than anything, I was just relieved at how smooth and breezy and easy it was to get through it was like it was like a popcorn movie uh 
in comic book form, I think. Where, whereas some of these other events are, are much more dense uh, than that with, you know, sometimes not enough payoff for that to be worth it, you know? Yes. Yeah, I, this is going to be a boring episode, guys, because I, <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you said this there, both of you guys. Um, yeah, th- there is nothing in this book that makes you... That, that scream, like, during War of the Gods, I think Zach said it last week, like, this could have been a crisis. There's enough in there to make you feel like there is a very... The stakes are very high. There, There's a lot going on here that feels like it's life or death, for, if not for the DC Universe, for the characters involved. And and as, as fun as this was in parts, there's nothing that really makes you stand up and say, like, everything's going to change if, if they don't solve this, this problem, right? And it's also because it's an event book that has sort of three co-writers on it, there's a lot of dips in and out of quality and some characterization comes and goes a little bit too um, throughout it. That doesn't mean it's a bad comic. It just means it's sort of a slight comic. But there, there's, there is some fun in here and I love events like this because it very much gives you a glimpse into a particular corner of the DC Universe at this time. It's not... I mean, to be fair, this is very close to the end of the Hal Jordan era, but you would never know that from reading it, right? This is giving you like a very good sense of sort of what the year before or after this would likely be like in these three books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For reference, this um, this event immediately precedes the issue of Green Lantern, where Hal, where where Green Lantern crosses over with the Reign of Superman stuff. And then I think there's like one more issue after that, and then it starts the Emerald Twilight arc where Hal becomes Parallax. So this is just like months before that. Yeah, so much so that I mean, Coast City is blown up during this event. Yes, with with very little with very little attention paid to it. Like yeah. a, this <laughs> defining event in DC history happens, and no one really talks about it. Well, it's well, it's really funny, like. The, the Legion and the Dark Star issues of this are very much like focused on the events of this crossover. They don't they don't dip out, but the both of the Green Lantern issues have this weird subplot with Carol Carol Ferris and, and Tom, and Tom um, having to do with some kind of machinations about some shell company <laughs> that Carol has ties to. That's some some kind of weird shady money business going on in the background and. It's the one thing that just sticks out like a sore thumb it, when mm-hmm. when reading this crossover, you know, from start to finish. Uh, it, it it feels really weird, especially when you realize that Gerard Jones only has like two issues left on the series after yeah. after this is over. Uh, I, which we should say up front, uh, you know, Gerard Jones is a dirtbag, and we and everybody knows it, and um, <laughs> we don't condone that. Gerard Jones. We either. don't. Yeah, we do not. Yeah, um, I feel like it doesn't need to be said, but we, I felt like saying it anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but you're right, Zach. The, the Green Lantern issues, they feel like part of an ongoing, whereas the other two, the Legion and Dark Stars issues, pretty much just feel like part of the miniseries. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and I w- will say, too, like um, the flow, I know, I know you mentioned... Wonder either you or Vince mentioned you know a little bit of 
difference in the voice of the different creators and, and a little bit of like variability in how certain characters are portrayed. But I did think it was really interesting how each issue, like even, you know, the issues of Dark Stars gave like pretty equal footing between all the the dark star characters the green lanterns and the legion characters and and i think the same could be said between all the series for the most part yeah um, almost to the point where you could be reading a given issue and unless you recognize like the art the artist who was working on it you might not know which book you were reading at that time which i think might sound like a bad thing but i kind of think it's a good thing in this case it's good for the event because how many of these events have we read over the years where like the reason why the tie-ins don't feel that important or aren't as integral to the event is because there's too much that they need to do to focus on their own. You know, a lot of times they try to have it both ways. We're like, okay, this is still an issue of dark stars. Well, it's also an issue of this event when in reality, all of these, all of these tie-in issues are just issues of the event. Yes. And like yeah. and to your point Zach, just to tack one more thing on there. There are some big um they don't save all the big stuff for the bookend issues. There's some no. big turns of events that happen and they could happen in any one of these issues. Not one of these That's books is not not more important than the other, you know. Um I think one of the biggest twists that happens at the end either happens in the second second installment of the legion book or the dark stars one i can't remember but it's it basically sets up the climax and so you know it's it's not skippable it's very important and it didn't matter uh that maybe the the green lantern book was more important or more popular than these other books it it just it gets equal footing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree and i think you know, we might get into this a little bit more. I think the biggest knock I would put give against this crossover is probably like one I would, I could probably give to most crossovers is that in order to fit the format that it's going for, it spins its wheels a little bit in the middle in some places. Oh God. Yes. It could, this could have um, been the two bookend issues and one issue of the three series. It, it probably could have. Yeah. Um, for, for what it ends up being, um, because you get, you just end up there. There's a lot of just, uh, you know, switching of of motive and and alliances and and they spend the in, <laughs> yeah. they spend the entire time fighting one another, but yeah. in in various configurations, yeah. you know, yes. yeah, basically while while Docs just goofs off in the background oh god he's well, he's both well, the best and the worst well Vrodox just argues for the merits of capitalism the entire time <laughs> yeah um, okay let yeah well, can let, i say one uh, thing before we, before we dig in yeah go ahead this has one of my favorite things of 90s comics that i wish they would bring back and that's the triangle numbering so yes. on the cover of each issue, it'll say like you know Dark Stars number eleven, and there'll be a triangle that says Trinity and the number, the chapter of Trinity that this is. And yep. I know people say that was confusing. Bullshit! It's not confusing. It's super helpful. It's the it's easiest. I know. I know you could never do it, but but think about all the bitching uh, that would not have happened if they did that for the like Snyder Justice League stuff. And, and all the infected and all the infected tie-ins and everything. In fact, it would never... have been a perfect thing for it. Honestly, yes, it would have been perfect. Except the reason why I say you could never do it is because 
the timing of those books literally doesn't make sense. Right. And yeah. so so they could not do it, but that's only a bad thing if you care about that, which I don't. I can easily ignore that. But so ma- how many questions have they had to answer in the last year about where do all these books fit, you know? Yeah. It's something that they could easily do with future events to avoid pedantic shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it's, yeah. not, it's not a big bat on it takes up a ton of space. It's a corner box essentially. Yeah. Um one one more note though about you know this being a 90s comic. This is the most 90s of the events that we've read so far. <laughs> like this this some of the like art sequence like this feels very reactive to like image comics to me. Early yeah. image comics artistically and visually um in a good way honestly i think i i genuinely Sometimes. yeah i i will talk about it but i i really like a lot of the art in this um so i'll i'll use that to jump in and kind of get to the creative teams here okay um so so starting off with trinity number one the first bookend issue it is um three separate chapters each by a different writing team so we start off with the green lantern writing team of gerard jones and gene ha penciling oh um, by far the best art in this thing agree definitely yes definitely early gene ha very good um then we've got uh the legion team which is um mark wade and barry kitson um co-plotting and barry kitson uh, penciling and I, I would say that's the second best yep in terms Agreed. of art um and then the the last one is the dark stars team which is uh two two individuals i'm not familiar with michael jan friedman is the writer and mitch bird is the illustrator and the, and bird is easily the most uh the most image-esque i think yeah yeah Absolutely. um yeah the Dark Stars look like Wildcats characters to me. <laughs> yep. Can, can, um, I, can I bitch about Dark Stars for one second here? Sure, sure. Go for they it. They really don't do a good job in – because you know, one of the things with the crossovers, you have to presume that people are coming into this book who don't read Dark Stars. And this is pre-Wikipedia and pre-Internet. <laughs> so you think they would do a better job of introducing who the characters are, and they don't do that. And then also, I, they really don't do a good job of visually discerning some of the characters. Like, no, not one, at all. One of the major characters is, um, what's his name, uh, Kolos, or Kolos, Kolos, Kolos yeah. who looks like the exact same ver- version as AA, is it, or Ah, but one is uh, pink, uh, one, uh, one is gray. Yes. Like, they're almost Indistinguishable. Exact same, they're almost the exact same character visually. And yeah. uh, they don't. Uh, there are times when one of them is speaking. I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds like, oh, it's just the wrong character. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. d- while we're on the topic of art and, and image stuff, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Travis uh, Charest does some of the covers. Yes, yes, and Charest, and, you're right. Charest is the penciler in for the Dark Stars section in, in this issue, but then Bird, I think, does the Dark Stars single issues. Yes, and he's doing he's doing like a dime store Rob Liefeld yes. at times. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, your your point is well well taken there, Zach. Yeah. So um you know, we have we have these three chapters. 
um, kind of highlighting each of the series and and the you know the central conflict of Trinity is that there are these three godlike figures who are um, gods of of Maltus, the the Quara, home planet of Arcor and Tazar. Yes, I thought it, I thought it was Zod. Zodar. 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 Sorry, I, yeah. I put the O in the wrong place. Zodar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you have these three godlike figures who are who are supposedly gods of, of Maltus, the home planet of the the guardians and the controllers, which will be important. And um, each each chapter kind of introduces one of the Trinity uh, or the Triarch, as they're called. Um, which it's funny that the series is called Trinity. <laughs> Um, but the villains are the triarch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those villains, by the way, they are just the Titan characters, the like the Galactus level Titan characters from yes. New Justice. Yep. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Only they have horns. Um, yeah. Um, th- their designs are actually like pretty good, especially like, I feel like like Quara's design, like when she she's appears on the first page and it's actually, you know, it's pretty striking. Um, Horny on Main over here. Yeah. I, I was gonna say there, there's a part in maybe it's the second Legion issue where they're showing her from behind, and of course, like she has to have she has to have like, <laughs> yes. like, like, like her costume runs up her butt, and there are characters yes. that appear they're gonna fly up her butt the way they're flying. <laughs> I was like, they're not gonna do that, are they? And they don't. What's but... inside your butt? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, because I respect. Uh, ladies, I didn't notice that. So uh. yeah, yes, it, it, that's because you respect ladies. <laughs> oh, you respect ladies about like Lobo does. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Vince shows him a good time and no mercy. <laughs> oh man, you that's the earth shaking. That's the earth shaking. <laughs> you felt it too. Um, Anyway, anyway, um, the the Green Lantern chapter actually opens up in a pretty funny way. Um, Hal is flying. Um, is, what what stat Skags? Wait, yeah. no. Boss okay, Skags. I think he's singing the Lido what? Shuffle in the back of his car. <laughs> okay, I think I, plane, I <laughs> maybe I misread. Is Skags? I think I was thinking of Stag Stag, which is Metamorpho, I'm right? Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I. I, I I thought that that's who this was. I mean, I misread it at first, and I was like, "Oh, that's a cool little nod." Of, of course, he would be flying around that big wig, but no, this is just some random. It's just some asshole. Yeah, yeah, and so he's complaining about not, you know, the plane not going very fast, and the guardians uh, start ringing Hal, and Hal's like, "Oh, I need to talk to the guardians. I I guess I'll knock this guy out. Yep, just <laughs> so knock him out, the... and then and then just teleport the plane and drop him off, which is." hilarious just real super dickery um <laughs> interest the the status quo for hal is really interesting in this right now he he has recently broken his power battery so he doesn't have a way to charge his ring except to go to oa i guess or to like yeah. use another lantern's power battery he basically says like hey give me a jump yes yeah essentially um so the the guardians send him to this planet that he hasn't been to in a long time and in, in sector Two eight one four, and that's that's where he finds Quara, and you know they they fight and stuff, and it doesn't matter at all. Um, and and so Hal goes back to tell the Guardians about this this giant woman he's found, and he he makes a scale model with his ring, and the the Guardians just they just flip their shit. 
they're uh they're like oh no this this is the end of everything and they instead of telling how you know what is going on they send him to the book of Oa to read it himself <laughs> as you do oh as you do which i gotta say like so much of the my enjoyment of this just came from like it being so long since we've had this kind of green lantern story not that i don't love like what grant morrison is doing but like when's the last time we've seen the book of oa in a in a comic book um well didn't now wait a minute did Morrison do the wrong, Book of Oa? Did not, didn't he have, in one of like the very first issues of his run, didn't uh, Liam Sharp do a very ornate version of he the Book of Oa? Now, Maybe I, he did. I Maybe seem to did. remember it, but... Maybe he did. Um, but this just, like, harken... Like, this isn't my era of Green Lantern, but this is, like, clearly... There's a lot of stuff that influences a, a lot of the stuff that John's ended up doing that's, like you know my my comfort food and um a lot of the lanterns that show up in this are ones that john's used a lot like boudica and um that one who has a yellow glove and an eye patch i I forget his name yep um and, and the one that's like made out of crystal and has like robot tentacle arms um just all the good weird green lanterns are in this it's very good um I'll also say that um, there's there's like a very uh, older comics trope here where they have to explain everything Hal's doing. Like, let me take this wormhole, which takes me directly to Oa. Like, stuff that <laughs> nobody would ever question. They they lay out pretty clearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that you know that's pretty much the gist of the Green Lantern story. The Guardians send him to to Maltus to to observe only and not not interfere with the triarch's mission um and and i just gotta say the art gene ha's art and this is spectacular it's so good fantastic uh, by far house. the most detailed of the artists mm-hmm. yes yeah it's good um then we move on to the dark star story which is complete and utter nonsense can't can't follow any of it indecipherable um <laughs> you have all these dark star characters who have no introduction who go up against uh another of the triarch i think this one is arcor i believe it is Ar- we should say that it's um that quara is the creator arcor is the sustainer and zodar is the destroyer yes that doesn't matter at all <laughs> no nope, it, it, it matters none in the book but i just want to be a, a a good host here and say those things you're you're correct you're correct um, so these, yeah, these Rob Liefeld knockoffs, um, go up against Arcor and, and one of them, one of them bites it. It's really sad. Um, and, and they're re- the dark stars are real sad about it too. And, and um, that is, that, that's really all that happens in this. They, they fight and it's, and it's bad and it's sad. Um, and anything else to add? Nope. This is this is the era of comics where sometimes you you say like, huh, they published this for however many issues. Like, what? Yes. You know, I, the, the Dark Stars Stars is not a bad concept, but it ran for almost forty issues, and this is probably the highest profile it got in the first like you know, 
That's almost half an Azrael. Yeah, because it's almost half an Azrael, exactly. And this is probably the biggest thing in the first half of Dark Stars that happens, and they take no time to introduce the new readers (laughs) to anything. So how did this survive for nearly 40 issues? But their costumes are very cool, 10 out of 10, for sure. (laughs) 10 out of 10. And I love the costumes. I I have always thought the Dark Stars look cool. Um, we should also say that this is during a time when there's a lot placed on how bad the Guardians are. Like that will come into play in Green Lantern considerably in the mm-hmm. next few issues of that series. But the controllers seem to be just as big a dicks as the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, then, then we move on to the Legion section where we find that, uh, and, you know, it's been a minute since we've one, one quick thing here. We, I'm sure you all know this, but when we say Legion, we mean the acronym Legion, not Legion of Superheroes. Yes. The one that, yeah, we've been talking about. Um, come on guys, keep up. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is specifically we're we're in Legion 93 now, and this is the real docs led Legion that spun out of invasion, um, and so it's been, you know, it's been a little bit since we touched base with that incarnation. I guess we actually didn't really talk about that. That was the fallout of, of Invasion, and we, we really didn't discuss that. But Legion has kind of set itself up as this um, kind of security for hire organization um, for, they're, for they're black like planet wide scale. I was just going to say they're Blackwater. Yes. Thank you, Vince. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they have been contracted by the government of Maltus to, you know, to kind of be this protection agency. Um, and, and they have, you know, they have their own kind of like military police force. Um, and so what, what this is, what this series is really about is about three different, policing agencies butting heads and and conflicting jurisdiction that's that's what this series is about um and we'll probably have some stuff to say about that later maybe i don't know um but the um we find um one of the um legion members who's actually part of a subgroup called the recruits and that's an acronym yeah so dumb uh, love it it's so dumb it's a it's an acronym i don't know what the acronym for for recruits is they do give the acronym for legion they're the licensed extra governmental interstellar operatives network it's a mouthful and then if we call that's why we call it legion for short (laughs) if you look at what rebels is rebels includes the l in rebels is the legion acronym so it's really like rebellions I did not know that. Oh, All right, so that's the, funny. The recruits, uh, let's see. Uh, the acronym does not say on the on the wiki page for it. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll keep looking for it. So you guys, you guys, okay. talk for a minute. Yeah. So so recruit Bertrand Dib, who who his thing, he's kind of a, a weird rock man who is supposedly indestructible. And he finds. He sure talks about it a lot. <laughs> he does. So I wonder why. Um, <laughs> he finds this um, this this relic, this ancient relic, with uh, with an image of the triarch and some old Malthusian script. Um, and right as he finds this, the last of the triarch, Zodar, shows up, the destroyer, and. Um, 
as expected, he he and Vril don't get along very well. Um, they they start fighting, and um, that that's kind of where things end up. Where all all three of the triarch appear on Maltus. Um, and at this point only, only Legion is there to, to fight against them. That's kind of where the, the first bookend issue leaves off. Mm-hmm. Um, Legion's Legion's um, members are really interesting right now. Besides real docs, you have Comet or Captain Comet, who is kind of a more obscure DC cosmic character. Um, I know Jim Starlin used him a lot. Um, Lady Quark of Crisis Fame, who is part shows of the up team. a lot more than we realized. I think when we read her in Crisis, we're like, oh, we don't see Lady Quark for a while, but no, she's everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's everywhere. Uh, Lobo, of course, is on the team, um, and th- there's a bunch of side characters like um, Phase and Stealth, and who you know, who I'm not terribly familiar with, but. Um, Kind of the the heavy hitters. Oh, I also think um, Beck, who I think was on the prison ship with Rill in Invasion, is in this a lot. Only he has a crazy new hairstyle in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, absolutely wild. Um, but Comet, Lobo, Lady Quark are kind of the heavy hitters in this who, who we'll be seeing a lot. Yep. So it looks like there is no official uh acronym for recruits like it, nowhere can okay. i find out what it actually means huh. i'm sure it was said someplace but yeah. probably we'll have to go do a read through of legion to find out um good <laughs> so um next we move over to green lantern number 44 which is jones and ha again and um I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like how in depth we need to go in these middle issues. I'd, I'd kind of rather sure. talk in like broad strokes. Um, the, the big points are, you know, all three groups make their way to Maltus um, in various waves. You know, Hal shows up and starts fighting the Triarch, and and Vril contacts the Dark Stars, and and they show up, but it's not. Initially, it's not the members that he that Vril contacted. It's the ones that we see in the first issue who are who are wanting to get revenge on the Triarch for killing their teammate. And so there's a bit of a split in the Black Stars. I just said Black Stars. That's that's yep. Morrison. Um, the Dark Stars, where uh, th- these groups change their motive and their their goal at the drop of a hat in this series but initially the dark stars do not want to fight against the triarch as do the guardians and the green lanterns they do not want to go against the triarch but Hal wants to fight them and these particular dark stars so there's a bit of a there's a bit of a rift within each of those groups and then vril changes his mind on what he wants the legion to do Literally, it seems like every issue. Yes. And then at the end, he pretends that it was the plan all along, which... Yes. Yes. But yeah. I would say the one constant is he keeps saying, like, we have to keep our contract, essentially, because <laughs> yes. we're yes. going to pay yes. Yes. We're going to lose them as a client if we don't uh, close this deal. He's basically Patrick Bateman, I think, working, <laughs> working in 
mergers and acquisitions. Just a complete yeah, that is true because whenever he has to leave a tense meeting, he says he has to go return some videotapes. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, there are a few through lines here. There's this character named Manu, I believe is his name, who, who is a Malthusian with a fantastic design. He has this weird tube coming out of his eye yep. and then going back into his head. He, he looks like a character from East of West to me. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, um he's great and so he yeah he's like like brian said a true believer he he gets carted around by vril throughout the whole series because he's the only one who can read this tablet from the first issue that we i think he reads it very early on um i think in the in this issue of green lantern he reads it but we don't actually find out what it says until much much later um, we should also say they call it like a gospel. It appears to be a big coin with like ten words on it. Yeah, well, this yeah. is this is all clearly uh, a, a Mormonism allegory. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is okay, the so I guess, of I guess Latter Day Saints. We have I haven't mentioned we haven't really mentioned like what the triarchs, what their mythology is, and what they're said to do. So originally, it it, it is said that they are the the child the children of this primary creator god figure who then turned on their their creator killed him and then disappeared with the promise that they would one day return to kind of usher in this this cataclysm that that would create paradise either on maltus or in the universe i don't know if it's actually clear um it's it's maltus and then that theory can be applied to the greater universe which is what um, well, you'll find the, the, the true villain of this whole thing. That's his plan at the end. Yes. Yes. To apply so, the same concept to the entire universe. Yes. Yes. So while the dark stars and some of the legion heavy hitters and, and the green lanterns are, you know, kind of dealing with the triarch throughout these kind of middle chapters, Vril is off trying to get to the bottom of this, the mythology of the triarch and, and, he is led to this mountain that has has life signs within it, and it's it's the only topography on in on the Maltus is flat except for this one mountain apparently. Yeah. Um, and, and they go inside and and they find someone um, who uh, can you guess who it is? Could, did either of you guess who it was immediately? No. You didn't uh, so well. I I suspected that it was going to be the the creator figure. Yeah, I I, I sort of, I wouldn't say I was like a, a lock on it, but I thought that's probably who it was. Yeah, um, who who it turns out is actually a, another controller, um, a rogue so, controller, a rogue controller. And so and I we, was I was a little confused at this part because can I can I interject here for a sec? Of course, go for it. Yeah, yeah. See, in the origin story, they talk about how this this Lord Dalon who originally created the Triarch, right? And then you have this controller they find in the mountain who 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 says he's the creator of them, but then you like later he's never referred to by name, except then later the Triarch refers to him as Dalon and he's like, ah, call me whatever you want, you know, <laughs> like it really makes it seem like he so is he or is he not meant to be the original guy so what i how i read it is and brian can correct me 
he was their original creator, but he created them based, based off on of our... pre-existing yes. mythology. Okay, yes. there there was that one puzzle piece there that you just needed to put in place, and now I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, we should say like that character changes his mind about things a million times too. Him, <laughs> yes. him and Vril just like consistently cannot make up their minds what they're trying to do here. We should There's say that really a great mo- oh, go ahead, Vince. I was gonna say we should say that Vril expends far more time, brain power, and energy uh fighting or arguing with the other team the Green Lanterns and the Dark Stars than he does worrying at all about this planet that is currently being destroyed <laughs> yes sure yeah um there is a fantastic moment towards the end of the series where this this controller is, is kind of he, he seems like he is a good character who's going to help them stop the triarch threat but then someone tells him that the triarch are trying to usher in this cataclysm to destroy all sentient life and restart everything as a paradise. And he's like, his reaction is basically, Oh, that sounds good. I'm on (laughs) their side. Yep. Uh Out of the blue, he just switched sides. (laughs) Oh, he's, he's basically, you know, Dr. Manhattan when he goes to Mars and he's, I'm tired of these people in their, in their little lives or whatever. Yep, tangle, uh, tangle, tangle, yeah. caught in the tangle of their lives or whatever. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and so that that's kind of the turning point where every everything uh, kind of coalesces into to the final climax of this series. Although there are some other climaxes going on at the same time. Oh! <laughs> well, we should Ow! say, before we get to that, that amazing stuff there, is, um, like, so... Basically, he he created these creatures to think that they're gods, and then they destroy him because in the prophecy that so basically he is he is <laughs> playing Doctor Frankenstein right, and he's recreating a prophecy where the creations killed the master, but he doesn't think about this apparently, and so then the creations try and kill the master, but he happened to have like a life matrix there, which so, everyone in the nineties had to have because that's how it. Superman lived too. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. So this happens to be a life matrix hanging around and he crawls <laughs> into it and then like is there for what seems like thousands of years, possibly, uh, we really don't know. It could be 10 years, could be a year. We're not really given any detail about that. Um, but then he's, you know, he's just he's just fine now. He's okay. It's fine. Yeah. The life matrix. It'll do it to you. Um, any, anything else that you want to say in particular before we get to Lobo and, and Boudicca? Well, listen, let's, no, let's take let's... a break. And when we come back, everybody go out and get yourself a nice a nice uh, cup of black coffee. You're going to need it to, uh, to steady yourself after this... Uh, after this raucous discussion we're going to have about local robotica, so uh, stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, 
discussing the highs and lows from the Viz anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And all right, so we are back to talk about uh, the greatest love story of our time. Lobo and Black is actually yeah. Away. yeah, so this is this is the subplot that runs through the like second half of the series, starting in Green Lantern thirty five. Um, we we have uh, you know every everyone's fighting, everyone's you know trading their 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 quips and their blows, and we get a meetup between Lobo, the main man, and and Bodica, uh, This this kind of amazonian-esque green lantern um very very tough very tough woman and um so i'm just gonna read some of this exchange um so let's see where does it start it's so good this was lobo so lobo calls bodica ugly and she says i'm ugly your face don't break mirrors it drives him to drink and smashes Lobo's bike, and he says, "Frag my bike, Bodica. You need legs to drive a bike, little boy. And one minute from now, you're losing both of them, girly. You got a mouth as big as the hole I left in my last enemy's guts, and what comes out of it ain't half as pretty. Uh, so this this keeps going on, going stop, on. Stop, stop. I'm gonna. <laughs> they're trading. They're trading insults. <laughs> then Lobo says, "So let's go someplace." And Bodica says, "You got it." And then we have little, little cupids. One is <laughs> one is vomiting, yep. and the other one is reading, reading a dang like porno. A... Yes. <laughs> so that's the last we see of them for the rest of the Green Lantern issue. Um, and then we see them like periodically through the rest of the series, where they're just like shacked up in this spaceship this transport or something and people keep like trying to like finding them or looking for them or they hear the battle and it's just like no we can't stop we just we gotta stop we can't stop we can't we just can't stop (laughs) so basically what i was gonna say is that they are like the gomez and morticia adams of this comic where it's like everything one of them says turns the other one on and they can't stop talking yes yes it's great. It's honestly, it's honestly very funny, and it's, I, I, I wish more events would do stuff like that, that to kind of like break up the tension and the seriousness. It it worked really well here. It, it was good. It was really funny. I thought. I think. I think eventually they do. If I recall correctly, they do pop back up in the, the second Trinity issue help fight well no they, they come at the end or, or and miss- basically he says like what you're doing woman you made me miss all the fighting oh yes you're right yeah so they actually miss everything they miss you're everything because right. they're fucking yes because yes. at one point they, they stop and they say like we heard fighting we have to go and lobo's like i need more and she's like how much more and then they go back to fucking again <laughs> yeah yes yes and then i love it i love at the end when like lobo's like mad that he missed the fight or whatever she's like you were doing something better with your time or something like that and he like trades a couple insults with her again but then like as she's leaving he's like next time i'll try not to be so sensitive (laughs) be be so gentle i believe is what he says 
Oh, really? I, I thought it was, I oh, I I thought it was I thought he was alluding to his own sensitivity in like a rare Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to look this up. I, th- I thought he was pretty much quoting Tenacious D's fucker gently at that point. Uh. <laughs> Spo- spoiler spoiler alert for uh, the new issue of Morrison's Green Lantern. By the oh, way. Really? oh, I haven't read it yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You... I'm not even kidding. There's a Tenacious D reference? Nice. And specifically to that song. <laughs> wait, wait till you read it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, are you, are you still trying to find the, yeah, you, get, you guys just, you guys just talk and I'll find the, I'll okay, find wait. there's, okay. there's, 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 well, there's something I want to get to, but I kind of want to, I want to wait until we resolve this. Um, <laughs> but oh. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look here, look through here. What, what's interesting. Um, I'll also reveal to our readers, to our listeners rather that I have been just scrolling on DC universe through all the issues of Legion to try and find where the recruits name came from. I'm looking at every appearance of them and I have not found the name yet. There's a great bit in the Legion issue, Legion 58, where a, a Legion member comes looking for Lobo and he's knocking on the spaceship that they're in. And he's like, uh, uh, Mr. Lobo, uh, you know we're we're looking for the Green Lantern named named Boudica. Uh, we should, we think she's around here. He's like knocking on the spaceship, and he's like, "Sir, are you in there?" And Lobo punches through the spaceship, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm fragging in here, you moron!" And he's wearing presumably like her underwear. He just, yes, her underwear, which are like pink frilly and have Green Lantern logos on them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, she says, look me up next time you want to make some real history. And Lobo says, next time I won't be so sensitive. Oh, okay. My bad. But I think, I think he probably, well, I think he probably does mean gentle though. But like, I kind of took it as like, you were looking for some heart from the main man. Well, I, I read it. I read it wrong, I think, but I like to think that in that moment, Lobo's like, Lobo feels like he, he, he did show some weakness here. You know what I mean? And he kind of regrets it, but I, I think I think I'm reading that wrong. But I kind of like the way I read it. Sure. <laughs> anyway. Okay. There, there's kind of one last big thing that happens before we kind of get to the end game here, and it's um, it's something that we never would have seen coming. It, it, the great tragedy, the the indestructible <laughs> crap. I already forgot his name. <laughs> Bick Dib? No. <laughs> Which one? Right. Ber- Ber- Bertrand Dib. Dib, yeah. Ber- he 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 bites the big one. He, yeah. He, go- he, he goes farm. out swinging. He saves a bunch of people, but he just can't. He just can't. He's not as impervious as he thought. He's not. He's not. And so he he dies, and it's and it's really sad. He saves a lot of people, and. uh and then and then we move on to to the finale um this like like we mentioned you know this has pretty low stakes not not a not a lot here and it it wraps up you know in a pretty bog standard way although i guess it is kind of interesting so the, the way that vril kind of resolves this conflict and saves the day is he he kind of coerces the guardians and the controllers to work together and he and at the same time the 
the Green Lanterns and the Black Stars, I did it again, the Dark Stars, kind of create enough confusion in the Triarch by by kind of revealing their origins to them. And and this this eventually plants a seed that will lead to them feeling remorse and grief for what they've done and and blowing themselves up, turning turning Maltus into a paradise. Mm-hmm. Um and the bad controller's bad and they catch him and everyone's pretty happy at the end. Yeah. And there's there's kind of some falling action after that that uh they all they all kind of make a pact. Yes. To sort of work together going forward. Which um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out because of well, the Guardians are wiped happen. out like three months later. So yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, but basically, there's an interesting little note that uh, Green Lantern Mosaic is happening concurrently with this. Yep, yep. I do want to say so. The, the basic tenets of the agreement are that the Green Lanterns are the basically the highway patrol, right? They 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 are going to their chips. Yes, their chips. They are going to be. Con- uh, sort of policing what happens like out like not on planet but like in space and then dark stars are going to be the sort of general police force for the galaxy and the legion are going to be the mall cops like the hired security right mm-hmm. isn't that isn't that basically how they break it down yeah yes and and hal yes. even calls real out under his breath he says something like you've gone from profit to profit Yep. Profit to profit, uh, you know, ca- calling him out for being a mercenary, basically. Yeah. But Vril, Vril yeah. gets the big contract in the end. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's actually a really good status quo, I think, and I, I just I, I know I like tooted this horn when we talked about invasion, but I just wish like DC had like a healthy cosmic section right now i wish that we had these kind of groups you know and more active you know when was the last time i know we had a bit of this in the new 52 threshold where yeah we had that i will and like remember there was the bit in the venditti run where um the green lanterns and the sinestro corps um combined in each sector had a green lantern and a yellow lantern working yes. as a partner um that that feels a bit like this because essentially like at the end of this each sector has a green lantern in space and a dark star assigned to planets or you know planet stuff um which is really kind of a cool status quo and something that i would really like enjoy seeing now um Maybe maybe not necessarily the Dark Stars. Actually, yeah, bring back the Dark Stars. Or just do the Black Stars after this. I think the controller-guardian um, dynamic is actually pretty fun. And you could even, like, throw in the... They're not in this, but, like, the, the Zamorons would be... I, I wish that, like, we got more of that yeah. these days. I um, do, too. Because it's good. Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense to have, you know, more going on off Earth because it allows you to tell 
just vastly different stories than what we're typically getting. In like mm-hmm. e- even in Green Lantern books, where it's so often tethered to to Earth. Um, now I know that you know Legion acronym Legion becomes acronym Rebels, and then acronym Rebels returns. I guess what is that? Uh, after fifty two. I don't think we get a Legion book ever again, do we? No, it, it becomes Rebels, and then Rebels comes back. Does it? Yeah, there, there was Wait, a... Wait, so, was there a Rebels... The only Rebels I know about is the one that is, like, pre-Flashpoint. No, there's... So, Legion wraps up at... I think it's Zero Hour, and it becomes Rebels. Uh-huh. Right after that? Right after that. So it, and it becomes Rebels uh, 94 okay. or whatever it is. Like it, uh, it, it, It's okay. basically the exact same thing, except that it's... I, I didn't know that. I thought okay, the first yeah. Rebels incarnation was the t- Tony Bedard one. No, so supposedly that reboot was supposed to be a Legion acronym, but the Legion of Superheroes had just gone through like a change, and they felt like it would be too confusing to have a new Legion of Superheroes book and an acronym Legion book. Sure, so they sure. went with Reb- the acronym Rebels instead. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Anyway, continue. What what were you uh what were you saying? I uh, I guess I was saying like those characters have shown up, but we've gotten precious little of those characters in the last 10 years. Right. Um, right. And and you know Vril Docs was supposedly it seemed like supposed to have a big glow up coming out of No Justice um in doing stuff in Justice League Odyssey but that apparently went nowhere. Yeah. yeah. You remember that yep. that wasn't that didn't it have something to do with those issues being redrawn with something to do with the way he was being used? Yes. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Wait, what was that Vrildox or was that the other Brainiac? I thought that was Vril cuz like was Vril. The, it, it was, was Vril. Okay. Yeah, because he he found they found him in No Justice. Ah, yeah. yes, yes, okay. He had been he had been missing, um, and now he's still he's missing again. Yeah. <laughs> they lost him. Um, so yeah, that that is disappointing to me. Um, I mean, yeah, the reality is just... like I I don't know if those if the books would sell enough. Yeah, to no, probably to not. make them worth their while. Um, but they would work really good as um, kind of side characters, side cast in a Green Lantern book or just a general DC cosmic book. Well, I could see this sort of stuff spinning out of Bendis's run because it seems yes. like Bendis loves all this cosmic stuff and. You know he he's telling the he's telling stories across two time frames, and so it it would make sense to perhaps have a a rebels or a legion story that would be taking place in the modern day that could somewhat reflect his legion of superheroes stuff. Don't quote me, but I really feel like I have recently seen Bendis tweeting something related to Vril Docs. Maybe I'm making that up. Boy. It's, I oh, I may I may be wrong about that. 
I'm doing a quick search. Yeah, I can't find anything. I know I saw a page of like an upcoming issue of either Superman or Action Comics um, that had a Brainiac in it, but it might have been Brainiac 5, like visiting from the future. Uh, let me just say that I have now in issue 30, 43 of uh, Legion found the first appearance where they call themselves the recruits and they do not say what the acronym stands for. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I All am right. I am stopping my search right here. That's fair. Do you guys have anything else major to say about Trinity? You know, it kind of it kind of just ends. You get the idea that it's going to. I feel like the book that this probably had the biggest um, impact on was maybe Legion. It seemed like the way it wrapped up, it it had some things to say about the direction of Legion, but. Um, I, you know, knowing where Green Lantern goes after this, obviously that that was derailed. Um, so I actually just read something pretty interesting recently, which was uh, it was News Around or CBR did a piece with Ron Mars and Daryl Banks about the beginning of their um, Kyle Rayner stuff, and mm -hmm. Mars revealed that he was not the guy who was supposed to take over that book. Um, and he kind of got the call very late to take over Green Lantern. So he knew that Hal was going to go bad, and he had to create a new Green Lantern. But he was given, like, for instance, the, 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 the interviewer said that, you know, the killing of Kilowog was, like, the big emotional moment there. And, um, and Mars, you know, that was all him. And he said, basically, that somebody else was lined up to do this, and then DC lost I don't know if lost their nerve or was disheartened or whatever. And it, it sort of implied that it was going to be Jones continuing mm. on here, but that they chose to go a different direction. Uh, it's, it's never explicitly stated there, but that's sort of the implication it's given. So I wonder if this stuff would have had a bigger role in the Green Lantern stuff, even, even with Kyle Rayner, if Jones had stayed on the book. Sure. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, side note, I did. I found the tweet I was talking about, and it, and it is Brainiac 5 that that's in Action Comics. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I liked this a lot more than I kind of expected to, mostly for just kind of focusing on the characters that it did. And, and I really do think the art was really good for the most part. Um, and um, I, I wish, maybe not, I, it would have been interesting to see years of stories kind of spinning out of the status quo, I think. And it's a little sad that that didn't necessarily happen. This is just one of the many DC events then that promise an interesting status quo and then yeah. lead to nothing afterwards. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's really all I have to say. This was fun. Yeah. This is definitely mm -hmm. slighter than War of the Gods or um, I guess really maybe any of the other events in terms of universe impact. I guess Legends had pretty low universal scale implications. Well, my, the argument I make in the other direction, though, is that 
um, Legends kind of sets up the post-Crisis universe. That Crisis changes, Crisis resets everything, but, but Legends sort of puts all the different characters on the paths that they'll be on for what we think of as the post-Crisis DC universe. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, guys? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not as much happens sort of in the event, but the uh, the the fallout is is bigger than some of this other stuff. Yeah, I think I think that's right. But everything except for Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to pale in comparison to Zero Hour, which is our <sighs> next uh, our next read through here, which really does set the stage for DC for the next five or six years um characters die characters return um you know in the case of hawkman like characters drastically change for weird reasons um you know there's a lot there's a lot of meat on the zero or bone that we'll get to um next week so please read along with us we're not gonna be doing too many of the tie-ins for that but if you do want to read what we are reading uh, there are three issues of Showcase, 94, 8, 9, and 10. And there is, um, what's the issue of Man of Steel, Vince, the 37? 37. Yeah, Superman and Man of Steel, 37. Uh, read those comics if you want to read along with us for next time. And uh, until then, you can find two-thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, do not come knocking at his house. He is busy in there. You bastard. I probably won't even be wearing the Green Lantern undies, so. Uh, People will get to see your Green Lantern tattoo in the flesh, though. Oh, God. (laughs) Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Only people who who come to New York Comic Con can see that. Oh, okay. All right, folks, take care, and uh, we'll be back next week for Zero. Bye. Do you guys get as many, like, Naruto-themed ads as I do? <laughs> I get a lot. <laughs> 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 <laughs>